How to win a bar fight and practice diplomacy while negotiating a bounty on your head. From Civil Wars, Whistleblower Tactics, Schematic Drafting, and the Finer Points of Sith Adoption, The Essential How-To Guide for the Engineering Jedi, by Jack Daw read by Sam Gabriel, based on the works of George Lucas. Content warnings available in description. Chapter 17 Let me fight the shadow of despair. Any hope he may have had that things would return to normal, or at least calm down once the missing children had been found, were dashed like waves against the rocks of an uncaring cliff the moment Veers had woken up that morning. As per usual in any situation, Lord Vader had still been working once sleep became inevitable for him, and had already long begun the day by the time he woke up. That alone was more than enough to make him feel like he was hours behind schedule, despite being perfectly on time, but the effect really wasn't helped by the fact that despite them being put up in a palace, couches were still universally horrendous to sleep on when waiting for medical news on one's family. Not that he had gotten anything of note. By the time he woke up, Zeb was still scheduled for several more hours of back to submersion, and he'd been immediately needed in coordinating the efforts to flush out and capture the last of the Sixth Company. As he had expected, now that Lord Vader's focus had broadened from the singular laser pinpoint directed towards finding the uncrowned prince, he'd become a terrifying juggernaut in his pursuit of the perpetrators. The additional companies from the 501st that had been called down yesterday had finally arrived by the time he had woken up. Under the direction of Lord Vader, they had already been organized into sweep parties, scouring the city side by side through wind and weather with a fresh recruitment of guards sent by the absolutely livid Quanos. He himself had been thrown right into the thick of it, and not even an hour after waking up he was already directing reinforcements into a shootout once an uncovered enclave of mercs had decided to resist tooth and nail, reinforcements that were unfortunately necessary due to the fact that the fuckers had proven to be packing some heavy ordnance. How Lars had managed to avoid getting wiped out yesterday he didn't know, and frankly he didn't care. He would just count his blessings that it was his men fully armored up and ready being sent to deal with them, and not his son wrapped in nothing but a school uniform and some prayers. Seeing him lying on the floor injured, shot, and bleeding was more than enough to give him nightmares for a lifetime already. No parent should ever have to see their child bleeding out from a gunshot. If he'd held out any hope for Zev joining comp force before then, it was gone in that exact instant. If he was lucky, if Lars would hold to his word, if his son continued on with his career as secretary and found even a modicum of satisfaction in it, he would never open his stupid fucking mouth about entering a more militaristic career ever again. His son could be a politician, a secretary, any fucking thing he wanted, as long as he never again had to see Zev's face pale and bloodied, drawn tight with pain, and lying on a medical gurney as he was taken into emergency treatment for a blaster wound, tear force, anything but that. He didn't think his heart could handle it again. Dealing with the Sixth Company gave him something to throw himself into, something to keep his thoughts away from the painfully vulnerable figure of his son floating in a bath of Bacta, unaware of the world around him. If Lord Vader noticed his mental state when he reported for duty and any time after that, 
He had found a kindness in his heart that Veers hadn't known he possessed not to mention it and simply let him get on with the job. The Shadow thankfully hadn't mentioned how Lars had made good on his oath of protection in a spectacular fashion, and he wasn't about to mention it either. His loyalty had already been given after all, and with the condition his son was in, he wasn't about to ask any prying questions, even if he would have been inclined to under different circumstances. Whatever Lars had done, whatever pact protected his son, it was good enough for him after seeing what his men were going up against. A single shot from a rifle to the shoulder was a cakewalk compared to some of the things he'd seen the mercs pull out so far. Grenades, rocket-propelled and otherwise, heavy semi-automatics, and even some wired-up mines set out in traps for them once the mercs realized they were now the ones being hunted. Thankfully, none of it had been even remotely enough to stump the troopers in their new armor. Lars's promises about sturdiness of the armor had stood up against everything the mercs had thrown at them so far. Heavy ordnance or not, none of it was heavy enough to even reliably get through the shields or armor plating, let alone pierce the under-armor and cause damage to the troopers underneath. Pair that with the armor's increased strength and a truly inspired epiphany on behalf of Commander Cody, and they were adapting siege-breaking strategies on the fly that were usually reserved for tanks. His favorite so far had proved to be what his men had taken to affectionately calling the Bull Rush. A squad of troopers with their shield generators cranked up to the max would simply charge across the battlefield, rushing any barricades the mercs may have hidden themselves behind. A wall of white and black that would stop for nothing and no one until it reached its goal. They had started out providing heavy cover fire for the charging troops, but after the shields had shrugged off a direct hit from one, two, three grenades, he was feeling rather confident in keeping the cover fire light, less ammo spent, and less damage to the collateral, which could only help to improve relations with the future cleanup crew. It honestly was astonishing how effective the new armor could be given the chance. Unfortunately, it meant that his men quickly got on top of the situation, and there was little left for him to do but ponder how pale and pained his son had looked yesterday, something that he had already spent enough of his hours doing while in the grip of dreams. And then he got the call that his son had completed his back to treatment and was lying in recuperation in the palace. He barely remembered calling through to his commander with the news that Zev was out of treatment, but he remembered the answer. Go. It was all that he needed to hear. Everything was a blur after that. From handing over commands to one of his colonels to the transport back to the planet, to announcing himself at the makeshift reception area and checkout set up in front of where the medical facilities had been installed, a nice secluded wing in the palace that was part of the private residential wings for the Quadas, and now the recovery ward for his son. Walking through the halls, he barely registered his surroundings in the millennia-old palace, his sights solely set on the nurse who was guiding him towards the room they had set aside for his son. The hall stretched far longer than they had any business being, and he could have almost sworn that he was being led in circles and circles and circles when he finally saw a set of durasteel chairs set out in front of a particular door after over, oh, five minutes since he had arrived, apparently. If he trusted the chrono in the corner of his HUD not to lie to him, and he wasn't yet that paranoid. "'If you would please wait here, General,' said the nurse, whose name he hadn't even registered when they were introduced and while gesturing towards one of the chairs. I needed to check with your son to see if he is both awake and ready to receive visitors. Eyeing the chairs that looked like they would barely seat a normal person, let alone someone in a quarter-ton heavy power armor, 
He gave the nurse a befuddled head tilt as he glanced back to her, hopefully conveying his doubt of the furniture. She smiled and winked as she fetched her code cylinder to open the door. It's stir welded and tested for extreme weight, don't worry, sir, she confided. We know what we're doing. Oh, she turned to him one last time, and you might have wanted to consider removing your helmet, sir, she suggested with a gesture to her own head. Your son will probably be more at ease if he can see your face than if he can't. With that, she unlocked the door and walked in, leaving him standing on the other end feeling more out of place than he ever had before. Sighing, he gingerly sat down in the spindly chairs and found that, much to his surprise, they creaked but didn't yield, bearing his weight as promised. Digging his fingers in under the rim of his helmet, he felt around until he found the distinctive ridged structure of the release clamp, clicking in the ridges on his gauntlet's fingers and hearing the seal release a moment later. The hut went dark, and fresh air hit him as he pulled off the helmet, letting it almost fall down in his lap as he looked at the gray geometric angles of the design and the white stripes running throughout it. The strange, storm-stained sunlight filtered in through the tall windows that lined the hallway, casting a marbled golden glow over everything as the winds and rain still howled and pounded against the glass, giving the helmet almost an ethereal glow. A sign of his authority, of his control over what was the single most elite legion of the army. And it never felt more useless than now. Ah, I see you've arrived here to talk to Zev too, then, sir? A voice suddenly spoke up, and he nearly toppled out of his chair as he jerked upright, whirling around to face the source. Luke Lars, simply standing there, calm as could be, with his hands folded behind his back. He was dressed in his usual engineering uniform, with the jumpsuit tied off around his waist, showcasing both the white undershirt he was wearing and the fully kitted-out blaster vest that had been modified to hell and back. Smiling as peaceful as can be, there was something different about the uncrowned prince, something that shivered in the air, and standing there, bathed in golden stormlight, he managed to look utterly inhuman, despite the almost casual attire. Before he even knew it, Veers had stood up from his chair as he nearly snapped to attention before catching himself. Anthony Laws, he greeted with a curt nod instead, trying not to betray on his face how his entire view of the young royal-to-be had flipped on its head in barely a day. It's a um, relief to see that you're doing well. Lars smiled warmly, but there was something in his eyes, something that told his hind brain too much teeth in the smile that had something heavy settle into his stomach as the strange youth stood in a deceptively relaxed stance. Deceptive because Veers wasn't fooled for a minute longer by the affable, gentle, and generally harmless demeanor of Lars. He'd known the lad claimed himself to be rather lethal, but that was nothing like what he had seen yesterday. There had been fifty-three dead at the battle between the two lords and the sixth company yesterday. Thirty-two of those corpses had been identified by the morgue as sporting mortal wounds caused by a simple blade. Thirty-two had died at the hands of the young men standing in front of him like there was absolutely nothing wrong in the world, and he knew it wasn't the entire number. His lordship had been sending out sweet parties through the ruins the old train had burst out of long before he had even woken up, and the whispers of over a dozen corpses being found in those tunnels spoke of a fierce battle. Then there were the two corpses that had been found back at the train station, and— General Veers? 
he swallowed as he looked down. Lars was once again looking up at him with those big blue eyes full of concern, an expression that felt almost alien on the face of someone who had proven himself to be capable of taking a knife to a gunfight and win every single last one. Even now, towering over the young man by several feet, it was hard to forget the whirling, snarling, black blur Lars had become on the battlefield yesterday. He knew the men were already calling the young man the Younger Death. He couldn't say he disagreed. People liked to think that all soldiers were used to death, and in many ways they were. Friends died, superiors died, underlings died, rookies died, veterans died, all from one day to the next, whenever shit hit the fan. But killing with your own hands, face to face, that was rare. Vanishingly rare, even in wartime. The vast majority of soldiers never killed anyone with their own hands, the casualties instead coming from heavy ordnance. Impersonal, and with the blood spread so thin across so many hands that you could still sleep at night, even in the 501st, one of the most active legions in the army, having a sentient kill count in the double digits was rare. Even he only had to personally kill two handfuls of people in his entire career. Lars had just murdered an entire platoon's worth of people in one day with a knife and some poison. Like it was nothing. What the hell was the uncrowned prince? It's fine, Engineer Lars, he managed to croak out. And it sounded like a lie even to his own ears. And apparently to Lars, too, who merely raised an eyebrow as he was given a flat look. I know that was a lie, sir, he stated flatly. He sighed and ran a hand through his hair, the engraved metal flashing in the sunlight that filtered through the window. I won't pretend to be an idiot and even ask if this is about yesterday, Lars continued quietly, crossing his arms and looking at the closed door that still hid his son from view. So I'll just ask this. Is it about what happens to Zev or what could have happened? Damn. He grunted as he glanced towards the uncrowned. No. No, that epithet didn't quite fit in the moment. Not with how Lars was holding himself, not with how he was addressing him. Not even going to pretend with ranks now, are we? he asked. Half questioning, half stating. I think we have enough cards on the table on both ends to drop the formality for a moment, sir, the prince told him calmly, smiling a razor-edged smile. Don't worry, we'll be back to normal soon enough. He severely doubted that. But for now, I'm still Zev and my other charges protector first, and everything else second. That mysterious pact of protection between his son and his prince, a pact strong enough that Lars had been able and willing to take on dozens upon dozens of armed mercenaries just to keep his charges safe. His lordship had told him there was something like this at play here, and yesterday he hadn't understood, but now... He still didn't understand, not really, he knew that much, but now he knew how much he didn't know, and how the strength of this pact could sway someone like his lordship. Still, that didn't explain... Why? he asked quietly, Lars tilting his head in response. Why what, sir? he prompted. Why did it happen? Why did... I know that part, Lars, he cut in, still not raising his voice. Half because he didn't want to, 
half because he didn't dare to. He sighed. I know there's something going on between you and my son, he continued, keeping himself as calm as he could with a rising feeling of panic bubbling away in his throat. Something drastic enough that Lord Vader felt the need to pull me aside yesterday and tell me to talk to my son, because there are secrets in place severe enough that you had to pull an oath of secrecy out of him. He never raised his voice, not once, and yet he could feel himself grow more and more hysterical. As he laid it all out in front of him, Lars merely scrutinizing him in a manner that he felt looked right through him. There was a pact of protection between you and my son. I know that too, he continued. There is something hanging over all of this that I still don't know about. And I just need to know this. He breathed in deeply, turning to fully face Lars and look the prince right in the eye. Why? he asked plaintively, unable to ask anything else. Lars looked at him for a long moment, expression sharp but unreadable as he slowly tilted his head. Moments ticked by before he finally opened his mouth, and when he did, the answer wasn't anything he'd been expecting. Because it was the only way for your son to survive. The answer was delivered so calmly, so matter-of-fact, with loose shoulders and weight shifted over to rest on one leg, like Lars hadn't just injected verbal ice water straight into his veins. Like he hadn't just said, his son had been in lethal danger and he'd never known, never been told. What? he croaked out, barely more than a whisper. Zev wouldn't have survived much longer without our pact, sir, Lars repeated. It was to protect him from being pressured into joining comp force as per your wishes, yes. And force he couldn't help but wince at that now, that Zev had felt it necessary to sign on with Lars just to... Just... But there were more reasons, Lars continued, not knowing or not caring about Veers's inner turmoil. Reasons that necessitated for him to look for a patron of sorts. Someone who could shelter him from repercussions should his secrets ever come to light. You mean the secrets that necessitated for Lord Vader to be sworn to secrecy and protection, he pointed out, trying his damnedest not to sound accusing and succeeding by half. Yes, Lars agreed. Perfectly serene and yet sharp as a knife. A very bloody knife. Like those. Lars offered him a thin smile that sent shivers down his spine, blue eyes piercing like flints of fire. And I'm free to disclose exactly none of them, sir. So if you want the full story, you'll have to ask Zev. The tone was pleasant, calm, and yet somehow felt like a knife had just been put to his throat. Force, how had he ever thought there was anything harmless or innocent about this person? Which is why I'm here now, Lars continued easily, as if he were entirely oblivious to the growing tension, an act Veers didn't believe for a second but was compelled to play along with anyway. A certain shadow told me what you might be suspecting already, and the conversation you might attempt to have. 
Lars glanced over and pinned him in place with an even look. I figured a little emotional support wouldn't go amiss on Zev's part. If he wants it, of course. The hackles on his neck rose on end, and words blurted out of his mouth before he could check them. Is that a threat? Fuck, 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 what was this? How had this conversation taken such a turn in barely any time at all, and Lars was armed, too? Does it need to be? Lars returned easily, raising a single eyebrow. I will say, sir, that if your first thought at Zev having someone in his corner while he's vulnerable, with the potential of major secrets being dragged out into the open, is that that person is a threat. He turned back to face the windows, watching the roiling sky of gray and gold that hung over the courtyard. Well, he continued, I question how ready you are to actually hear those secrets. Shit. Not a threat. A test. And he just failed it. He swallowed deeply while Lars stared him down. Shit. He opened his mouth, trying to think of anything to say and coming up blank. What did you even say to that? What did you say to the person who'd killed dozens of people in less than twenty-four hours and came out on the other side of it completely fine? What did you say to someone who had successfully pretended to be an innocent, helpless kid for nearly a year, before revealing himself to be the closest person to Lord Vader's equal that he had ever met? What did you say to the first Imperial Prince who had just proven himself to be very much cut of the same cloth as his... as his father, and then laid claim over your kid? What did you say? Lars hummed lowly. And he realized that he'd stayed silent for too long. The prince tilted his head and considered him through eyes that had hardened dangerously while he wasn't looking. Remember, sir, Lars murmured, crossing his arms over an armored and armed chest. I am currently Zev's protector first, and everything else second. I will protect him if need be. And that was definitely a threat this time. Dear fucking force, this was already going fantastic. But there was at least something in there that he could work with. He swallowed and slowly weighed the words on his tongue before speaking, vividly aware of the strange weight that hung in the air. And so would I, he pointed out. Hoarse and quiet, but as sincere as he could make it. Evidently, Whatever Lars saw in him in that moment was enough for him, and a pressure that Veers hadn't even been aware was building released all at once. The air clear and crisp as if a thunderstorm had just passed through. Which wasn't alarming at all, surely, not at all, nope. Of course, sir. Lars agreed quietly, posture softening along the edges, and Veers' own shoulder dropped slightly along with them. My apologies, it seems that I'm still on edge from yesterday. He sighed and pulled a hand through his hair, pulling softly on the beads that were woven into the ends of his braids the prince had acquired somewhere since yesterday. The priority of my slightly paranoid reactions is to keep Zeb safe, though, and in that at least, I think we can agree, he said while rolling the beads between his fingers, staring pensively out the windows. 
He relaxed his stance. Now that the prince no longer seemed interested in staring him down with the demeanor of a predator, and huffed out a soft sound. That we can, he muttered with a dip of his head, looking out the windows right alongside the prince. Silence stretched between them for a moment, and he took the time to observe the strange weather they'd had ever since yesterday afternoon. Sunlight streamed in through the windows, but the sky above was still a marbled spread of steel-gray clouds edged with golden light and threaded through with flashing forks of lightning. He'd never seen anything even remotely like it before. And if it hadn't been for the fact that Loris had explicitly demonstrated the fact that the Suda was more than prepared to go up against the elements ranging from temperatures reached in active volcanoes to the vacuum of space, he would have hesitated on sending his men out into it. As it stood, they'd fought through wind and water in order to bring the Sixth Company to its knees, pursuing them relentlessly in every way they could on foot or on a vehicle, from the ground, or flying low enough that there was little difference as far as he was concerned anyway, but never too high. Not even Lord Vader seemed keen to test himself against this particular storm, at least not now that Lars's safety was no longer a factor, and that alone was more than high enough for him to decide to leave well enough alone. If his lordship wouldn't fuck with it, no one in this damn galaxy could make him do it either. Never mind that there was just something off about this weather, something that he couldn't quite place, but the broad instincts from his childhood screaming back to the forefront of his mind that begged him to close all doors and windows and hide under the covers until it had all passed, to not even look outside the windows until it was all over and the hairs on his neck were no longer standing on end. He resolutely didn't think of the fact that said instincts seemed to be reacting to Lars, too. There was only so much he could handle in a day. Right now, all he would focus on was his son, something he should have been able to do more of for a long time now, but that it somehow seemed to become harder and harder month after month, until it became bad enough that Zev could turn to a complete stranger for protection and care instead of his own father. It's... He wouldn't blame Zev for it. He wouldn't. His son was an adult and could make his own decisions, decisions which didn't necessarily have to include him, and he had promised he would trust those decisions, and that he would trust Zev. But force that didn't take away the fact that it still stung. Stung that his son hadn't felt he could trust him with whatever had been tormenting him. Stung that Zev, his brave little champ, no longer trusted him to provide comfort, and instead felt the need to actively find places that placed him far, far outside his reach. Stung that apparently Zev had been suffering to the point of no longer being secure in his basic survival, and still hadn't felt he had been able to come to him. Force, when had it all gone so wrong? When had he let this rift between them grow to the point where this had become their reality, and he hardly felt like he knew the person his son had become. And when it Lars managed to see his son suffering so clearly and so long before he did, that he and Zev decided that the only way to end that suffering was by swearing a pact. What had Zev gained in that pact besides Lars's protection? What had he lost? Would he ever find out, or would he only ever be looking from the outside in with Zev? Knowing that Zev was hurting somehow and no longer being trusted to ease it, 
no longer even being trusted not to exacerbate the hurt, to the point that Lars had apparently identified him as a threat for a hot second there, and that just... It just... Did you really think I was liable to hurt Zev? The words drifted through the air, quiet and helpless, nearly drowned out by the ticking of the rain against the windows. And he abruptly realized that he had been the one to say them. Before he could even begin to think on what he'd just done and revealed, Lars was already giving a thoughtful hum, and a side glance had his own eyes meet with electric blue ones that looked older than they had any right to be. A shiver ran down his spine as lightning flashed outside through the clouds, the prince's own eyes lighting up in time with them as the light reflected, refracted, within them. Force. This wasn't the time to run from this, but he really, really wanted to. Too bad that Zev was behind that door. And even both the older and younger Death now flying into a rage that wouldn't be enough to keep him from his son. Not this time. And not ever again. So he stared back, meeting the piercing gaze head-on, even as his instincts screamed at him that this was a bad idea, that you didn't stare predators in the eye. But whatever Lars saw in that moment must have been enough for him, as he turned back towards the raging storm. Physically, Lars murmured lowly as he looked at the churning sea of clouds. No, never. Unless I severely misjudged you to a point where I don't think I would be able to trust my own senses again— I didn't believe for a moment that you would physically harm Zev, sir. The prince sighed, and thunder clapped outside as another lightning bolt split the sky. He very pointedly did not flinch at it, but it was a near thing. But I fear that you may have already done more emotional harm to Zev than you know. He turned and looked Veers right in the eyes again an intangible weight pressing down on something equally intangible inside of him underneath that gaze. So yes, Lars continued, grimly determined in a way he had never expected the young engineer to ever be, but could now not imagine the prince being anything else. I believe you're liable to hurt Zev, sir. Even if you honestly never meant to. A slap to the face would have hurt less. Lars's damn bloodied knife to his throat would have hurt less. His heart bled like it had been flayed open, and he couldn't have stopped it from showing on his face even if he tried. Lars's expression softened into something deeply sympathetic, understanding in every line of his face, and this time it was he who had to look away. The storm outside roiled and churned and resembled nothing as much as the deep well of emotions that was bleeding out of his slashed-up heart and into the wider world to be seen. Something choked deep down in his throat, and he had to remain studiously focused on the storm outside as he felt something prick at the corner of his eye, intimately aware that Lars was watching his every move. Force, where had it all gone so wrong? For what it's worth, the prince whispered gently, I'm sorry, sir. And damn Lars, too, for sounding so sincere about it. He nodded slightly, 
just enough to acknowledge Lars and still be perceived as polite. Even as his heart bled and bled and bled, and he wanted to rage at the prince, rage and ask who the hell he was to make this judgment, to condemn him so. What the hell did he think he knew about his son? He hadn't been there when Zev was small and new and the whole world was still an endless adventure for the baby with endless opinions on everything around him, even as he hadn't yet been old enough to lift up his head. He hadn't been there when Zev had skinned his knee and he carried the kid around for the rest of the day on his hip just so he wouldn't have to see that pudgy little face scrunched up with tears again and break his heart for the second time. He hadn't been there when Zev had cried over going to school on the first day because he would miss him in Guyana. But he'd been there for Zev yesterday when he hadn't been. As quickly and brightly as the rage burned within him, it left him, leaving only burning regrets and a deep sense of defeat behind. I don't think sorry is going to fix this one, Lars. He admitted in a breath he barely kept from shuddering. Thunder roared above, and for one wild moment he almost wanted to roar with it. This was a hospital, though, even if only a makeshift one. And the prince was standing next to him, watching his every movement like a hawk. Misplaced aggression would have to wait for the gun range. Any thoughts of destroying a couple of targets with heavy ordnance were chased from his mind when Lars laughed softly. And looking over, he was surprised to find that something bright and fond was sparking in Lars's eyes. I think that it might get you a lot further than you think, sir, Lars replied, shaking his head lightly. You two really are alike, aren't you? He blinked. What? Sir, Lars sighed, exasperation leaking in even as the fondness was still there. I'm not saying everything will be fixed with an apology, but if I'm honest? Lars tilted his head. A warm smile overtaking his features, and Veers could almost forget that this kid had killed dozens. I think that, combined with some honest and true communication on behalf of the both of you, will get you a lot further than you think. Zev still loves you deeply, and all he really wants is for you to accept him and be proud of him just as he is. Is that really such an insurmountable obstacle to cross? He blinked again. Seth, what? But I am, he muttered. That he knew for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt. I do, and I am, but have you told him that? Lars countered pointedly, raising an eyebrow. When was the last time you told Zev that you're proud of him, that you love him, and that you just want him to be happy? He can't read minds, you know. Not like you and your father can. Veers almost retorted hysterically as he tried to wrap his head around what Lars was saying, and the utterly surreal fact that this scrap of a lad, this killer of terrifying magnitude, this absolute mess of contradictions and confusion was giving him advice on how to manage his relationships. Clearly he'd never actually woken up that morning and was still having vivid hallucinatory dreams which would explain the absolute nonsense that was happening to the weather outside at the very moment now that he thought about it. But the prince was still waiting for an answer, and the unimpressed eyebrow that was being leveled his way rather clearly communicated what he thought of Veers's general lack of response up until this point, which honestly was a bit rich coming from him, but he figured that if anyone could level judgments on the functionality of relationships, 
It was the person who had somehow managed to get to the point where he could hug Lord Vader in public and receive a hug back instead of an instant evisceration. But still, it was somewhat insulting to be judged for his merit as a father by Lars. Not pulling any punches now, are we, engineer? he muttered, meeting the level gaze head on. Any more judgments to level on me? All mirth disappeared from Lars's demeanor in an instant, the warmth draining out of the air as if a fire had been doused with a bucket of ice water. If it protects my charge from further harm mentally and emotionally, Lars shot back with a flint of ice entering his eyes. Yes. The squared-off shoulders and jaw of the prince were as tense as his answer, and suddenly the pieces slotted into place for the how and why of Lars's odd behavior. He shifted his weight on his legs as he realized just what was truly happening here, the chess pieces materializing in front of his mind's eye, as he could suddenly see Lars moving them around in accordance to his will, moving them and hurting him into the direction he desired, the direction of someone who would be useful to his plans. How had he ever thought that the young man in front of him was a naive innocent? I see, he muttered as he shifted back wearily from the prince, all too aware of the strings now that he could see them, more and more popping into existence as his mind combed through every interaction he could remember. What the hell was this young man? Lars laughed. A soft sound that weaved through the tapping of the rain and thunderclap. Yes, sir, he muttered with quiet amusement, a grin on his face and a knowing look in his eyes that told Veers he had still only seen what Lars had wanted him to see. I believe you do. How long had you planned on letting everyone believe that you were a perfectly harmless farm boy with only a knack for engineering? He asked. Only partially shocked by his own bluntness and the other parts of him already latching on to the strategies that would need to be cooked up, driving his mind into the familiar pull and push of planning out battles yet to come. His loyalties were already decided, after all, and if the prince kept protecting his son, he would keep protecting the prince and cooperate in being useful, too. Lars glanced at him from the corner of his eye, a glint dancing within them as he flashed teeth that were just a tad too much and a touch too sharp. Right to the heart of the matter, huh? he muttered looking back out into the furious storm. I can see why Vader favors you, sir. You match him well. Well, that was good to know, of course, but it wasn't what he was asking right now, though he'd keep that in the back of his mind. It explained all the instances of what he could almost call moments of kindness on his commander's behalf, though. I'll need to know. If I'm to help you keep up your charade, Lars, he answered looking out into the storm alongside the engineer. I don't know who or what you are, or why you're here, but I assume that Lord Vader knows what I don't. That's good enough for me. An omission of truth, of course. But he wouldn't outpace his lordship on this matter. He'd swear his loyalties when the time came, and not a second before that. Royal politics were all about timing, after all, and he'd seen more than one of the high and mighty get the axe nonetheless when they mess with it. Lars would ascend in time, 
But if until then his lordship and the prince were content to play their parts in the shadows, so would he. He'd have to inform the rest of the officers, too, of course, but that could wait. First, he would need to take his cues from his prince. Now that he could see the strings, he knew to wait for his to be pulled, if he didn't want them to tangle around his neck and pull tight. He trusted Lars still to pull them with some measure of gentleness. Even that snarling blur of death and destruction the prince had become on the battlefield yesterday, he remembered what had been shouted, what had been declared, had seen the way Lars had guarded those he claimed as his, with a fury only matched by his father. Lars would be a nightmare to many, he knew that much. No one who killed with the kind of ease that had been mastered by the prince and with the kind of power gathering at his fingertips, ripe for the taking, would be a soft target when pressed. But he might still be a kind ruler, a gentle one, a considerate one. Much as he had been with Veers' troops so far, it would be enough, was enough, at least enough for him to hope for. Lars hummed and tilted his head to the side, eyes still watching him from their corners. Charade, huh? Lars muttered lowly. I suppose that explains a lot as to everyone's behavior and general observational powers, if that is how core people believe my identity works. The prince sighed, eyes turning back to the storm. Not to worry, sir, he said after a beat. I'm well versed in keeping unwanted eyes looking the other way. All I ask is that you treat me no different than before. It'll help with the general suspicion of it all. You were seen fighting dozens of opponents at once in the middle of a city square after crashing a train through it and winning, he pointed out, trying to gauge the prince's angle on how he would handle the fact that several of his bluffs had been called. If word of that moment came out, and it would, at the very least his reputation as largely harmless and easily agreeable would be tarnished. I don't know what you're planning on doing with that, Lars, but I will need to know how to spin that to anyone who asks. At least if I'm to keep my story straight. Lars, the menace, merely laughed, and thunder rumbled right above them in time. He eyed the sky warily for a moment before flicking his eyes between the electric blue ones of the prince and the storm outside that still raged. That just... Don't worry about me, sir. Lars chuckled while watching the lightning flash outside, sunlight golden on his skin. You'd be surprised as to what people will believe when you're careful enough. And if my old... He snorted and laughed again. Charade won't guard my back anymore. Well, I'll see what new innocuous charade people will believe. He really didn't like the way he could hear Lars mocking the very concept of him playing the entire lot of them like a fiddle, being defined as a charade. The prince chuckled again, and this time he felt the hairs on his neck stand on end as the wind howled around the palace. Dear fucking force, what the hell was this person standing next to him? Not to worry, sir. Lars continued, voice low and rumbling and something that was a far closer approximation of his father than Veers was comfortable with. I have more cards up my sleeve than you know. Even if I was forced to play a few in defense of Zev, that's not something to regret. As for you... The prince turned his attention fully towards him, 
and a shiver ran down his spine as he tried to follow Piet's advice on managing that sinking feeling of dread as the thunder roared outside. Say I took some combat lessons as a precautionary measure from whomever seems most believable, if you would, sir, Lars ordered in a request, crossing his arms and tapping a finger against his bicep. Not a lot of it was sheer luck, and that I got a hold of some of the hunter's equipment in order to defend ourselves with. If you can, say nothing at all, or deflect onto something else. Another topic, another incident, anything. Just don't draw attention to it and try to treat me as usual, and I'll handle most of the rest. He nodded swiftly. Copy that. It was a simple enough request, and he was relieved that Lars seemed to be intent on keeping everything as simple as possible instead of going for all-out denial. It played a few cards out of his hand, as he said, but it prevented him from losing all of them. Risk and be rewarded. A trade-off of some advantage for a handful of lives. Precious lives, in more ways than merely their intrinsic value. His loyalty had been bought with Lars's intervention on behalf of his son, after all, and he knew that it wasn't hubris to say that his backing of the prince, while not crucial, would still make for a precious resource in the political games of royalty. The rescue of the heir of Quat, with rumors already spreading like wildfire through the ranks that Lars had personally dove after him when the heir had tumbled off of his kidnapper's hoverbike. If that wouldn't earn the Quat's undying favor and gratitude, he wasn't quite sure what would. And indeed, the Quatters seemed to be more than anxious to meet with Lars. But until mere moments ago, no one had seen the engineer ever since he had been swept away in the black folds of Lord Vader's cloak. The life of the scion of one of the most proliferous suppliers of raw resources. His parents would be grateful upon learning of their son's survival, and the Montador Corporation was nothing if not powerful. The people supplying your water and food, your ore and steel, your wool and flax. You didn't dismiss that ally. You didn't dismiss the supply lines the prince of a planet. An often forgotten one, but a planet nonetheless, one that had the standing of history and legitimacy, and just had their only heir returned safe and sound. You needed whatever allies you could get when the time came to face the music and risk it all. Precious lives to rescue. Powerful lives to rescue. And they still had nearly a full month to go in the gathering, three days in, and Lars had managed to gain debts on the lives of four powerful galactic players. It wouldn't be enough, not with the gamble they were building up to but force, if this is what the lad did in just three days. The galaxy would be his before he'd completed even his first year on the Lady. Dear fucking Force, what the hell had he found himself tangled into? Sir, sorry sirs. A voice called from behind them with the soft hiss of a door. Turning around revealed the kindly face of the nurse looking at them, and immediately any further thoughts of Lars and his tangled web of plans and loyalties fled his mind in favor of the knowledge that Zev was so close to within his reach. The nurse smiled gently and nodded. He's ready to have visitors now. Please remain calm and quiet, though. He has been through much and still needs his rest. With that, she stepped out of the doorway and aside, leaving the doorway open and his whole worldview narrowed down to just that singular opening in the wall, through which she could already see the wooden framework of a bed and the lumps underneath a comforter that meant that there was somebody lying within it. 
A sound not unlike that of a wounded animal tore from his throat, but he couldn't begin to care less as he stumbled forwards. The world swayed underneath his feet, and if it weren't for the exoskeleton and the suta, he knew he'd be tipping forward and downwards with no hope of getting up. He didn't register the steps that took him to the doorway, and he barely registered his gauntlets clenching into the doorframe as he used it to steady himself for a split second before stumbling through and there, there, there was his son. Sitting in bed underneath a fluffy burgundy comforter, propped up against a mountain of plush pillows, was Zev. Hair limp, face lined with exhaustion, but eyes alert and crinkling at the corners as he smiled when he saw Veers standing in the doorway. Hey, Dad, he muttered. And it was all Veers could do not to collapse halfway onto the bed in relief and crush his son against his chest. Instead, he barely managed to stumble over to the chair situated by Zev's bedside and collapse into it while gathering his son's hand into his own and holding it close, ripping off his gauntlets in a way that he was sure Zev would be berating him over in a moment, but needing to assure himself that this was real, that there was nothing more real in the galaxy than this moment right here, right now that the scent of fresh-cut greenery and the faint, sticky sweetness of Bacta remnants meant that this existed, that the feel of his son's soft skin and the stiffness of the fresh bed linens brushing up against the back of his fingers were a dozen tiny anchors proving that this was all right here and right now, that the hazel of Zeb's eyes reflecting the flecked gold and gray from the storm outside their windows was real. I'm fine, Dad, Zev huffed with a tired smile while softly squeezing his hand back. You're not, he retorted almost on reflex, proud that his voice only cracked towards the end force, Zev, you're really not. Zev, in a show of normality that for once soothed his heart more than it exasperated, rolled his eyes. I'm serious, Dad, he insisted, shifting against his mountain of pillows, my shoulder doesn't even hurt anymore. The Bacta did its job, and I think they've got me on the good stuff that they do school PSAs over to. They do, Lars's voice agreed from behind them, and looking over his shoulder revealed the prince walking in while reading off of a data pad. And according to this, Zev's indeed fine, General Veers. Ah, so they were back to that. Good to know. On to the next issue. Where in the name of the Force did you get my medical files? Zeb blurted out before Veers could ask the question himself. And why do you have access to them? His son abruptly blanched as a thought visibly entered his mind. Why don't tell me that you stole those? Lars, the menace, merely laughed and shook his head. No, not this time, he answered while shooting his Zev a wink that... Well, now, either he was going blind or his son was blushing at the prince's gesture even as he looked incredibly peeved about it. Interesting was the least of the words that applied to that. But I've been working with the medics in order to make sure that you got all the treatment you needed, Lars continued, glancing back at the data pad. They needed to know the components of the painkillers I'd given you, since it's only available on Tatooine and home-brewed, and what you lot had been through over the hours when we were on our own. Well, that and... Lars took a sip of a mug of something hot and steaming, and where the fuck had he acquired that in the last couple of minutes? 
Kix and I have an understanding that allows me to access more medical information than I perhaps strictly should have access to. He shot them a reassuring grin. Not to worry, it's only on the last thirty hours and I only got access to these on the grounds that in less than twenty-four hours, I'll be responsible for you and your general well-being anyway. Zev blinked slowly, looking at Lars for a long time and slowly nodding as the information sunk in. I don't know why I'm even bothering to be surprised, he muttered, resting his head back against the pillows. Of course you would. He froze mid-sentence and looked back up at Lars. Wait, what do you mean less than twenty-four hours? Oh, dear. Lars blinked at Zev as realization slowly bloomed. They haven't told you yet, Lars asked quietly. You were kept out of it for some time in order to keep you in the tank, but your wound was pretty shallow, all things considered. It's only a day later, and even if the ceremony is delayed, your time as a student officially ends tomorrow. And with it, Zev's contract would officially begin. Force, where had the time gone? Zev was apparently asking himself a similar thing, as he clenched his jaw for a moment before closing his eyes and sighing. Fuck, he whispered vehemently. How did I forget that was a thing? When did I forget that was a thing? Probably around the time you got shot at, Veers emphasized pointedly, and Lars snorted before taking another sip from his mug. Or when the bombs went off, the prince replied with a grin. Trust me, I know better than most that close encounters with an explosive device can throw off your timing by quite a bit. There was a story there, one he knew, and another he wasn't sure if he wanted to know about or not. Not after discovering just how deep the abyss of Luke Lars actually ran once you stepped off the shallow tide pool ledge. The waters had opened up cold and dark underneath him, and he feared what he would find lurking at the bottom. Zev seemed to have no such fear as he merely chuckled, shooting a smirk in Lars's direction. I'll bet, he muttered. Did it by any chance involve fighting several armed slavers at once, while swinging around on a tether, sir. That was no matter to make light of as far as he was concerned, and Lars darkly glaring at his son over the rim of his mug only confirmed that. But either Zav had hit his head harder in the fall off the train's roof than he'd thought, or there was something he was missing here because Zev only grinned wider. I never should have let you lot listen to Valmora's tall tales, Lars declared flatly while pointing at them with his mug, a brown liquid sloshing within as steam curled through the air in feathery wisps. You really shouldn't have, Zev agreed with a nod, still grinning. But you did. Lars sighed and took another sip of his mug, looking back down at the files. I did. Sons and sand. I don't know why, now that I'm looking back on it, but I did. Because you still can't hide the fact that you're a softy, despite it all, sir, Zev answered sagely. And at this point he was just watching the conversation between the two kids like a sparring match, head swinging back and forth with every retort. What in the name of— Lars hummed and threw back the rest of his mug's contents in a chug that Veers recognized all too well from how Piet treated his calf whenever there was much to do and too little time to do it in. Probably, Lars admitted while wiping his mouth with his wrist, walking over to the other side of Zev's bed and sinking down into the chair. Or you lot are a lot more conniving than I gave you credit for. Zev laughed like it was the most hilarious thing he'd heard in a long while, 
and Veers got the ever more looming sense that he was watching a private joke unfold right in front of his eyes. Of course I needed that, Zev sighed once he got himself back under control, shifting against the blankets. Everything's been a blur ever since I got up. The doctors and nurses come and go, taking all manner of tests, and yet no one would tell me anything about what happened after I got shot. He couldn't help the flinch that ran through him as he was violently reminded of how Zev had lain there, leaning heavily against the side of the train as blood had seeped from a gaping wound on his shoulder, the flesh still smoking from where the bolt had hit. Zev had stared out into the world with glassy eyes, more blood weeping from a head wound, and he'd barely been able to pull himself together for long enough to help his men keep the remaining mercs under control until the guards had arrived. Grimacing at the memory he'd tried and failed to outrun for the last twenty-four hours, he looked up over the bed and found himself strangely relieved to see that Lars's face had also suddenly gone tense and mask-like. Then, with a single deep breath, it was gone, and the prince was back in control. Well, aside from Cross here, everyone else is fine, Lars began. He's still in back to treatment, but it's mostly due to his advanced age, rather than the fact that it's any kind of life-threatening injury. Lachmian is a hover chair to get around for the next few days, but she's already up and moving again aside from that. Tyrion needed to spend a few hours inhaling back to vapor after he got strangled by one of the hunters, and last I saw him was still complaining that everything tasted of pineapple. Lars confided with a grin, Zev snickering in response, and Veers had to bite back a laugh himself. Bacta was a miracle worker when it came down to it, but force, every person who had ever needed to inhale or ingest it for medical reasons could complain at length over its overpoweringly sweet pineapple aroma, chemical and cloying it was the bane of anyone put at the tender mercies of the medics, even if it was the quickest way to get out of those oh-so-tender mercies again. And the rest? Zev asked, looking more put at ease by the moment. Lars huffed out a soft sound and shook his head. Nothing too bad? Quinn had to ingest a double dose of Bacta after the medics confirmed that his ribs did have a couple of hairline cracks, like I suspected, but he should be complaining about the taste for longer than those will bother him. Cory, Zariah, and Valmora got off with just a few patches and plasters. Exhaustion is the worst of it for most of them, generally speaking, he sighed, and shifted in his seat, looking back at the data pad. And then there's you. Zev grimaced and Veers straightened up. Anything we should know about, Laws? he asked quietly, gripping Zev's hands just a little tighter. Nothing you should concern yourself about, sir. Lars dismissed with a shake of his head. The fall was the worst of it, but that's nothing they hadn't dealt with before. The shot wound was apparently shallower than they'd ever seen from a direct hit of that cartridge caliber, and hit no arteries or the like. Certainly didn't feel like it, Zev grumbled while bringing up a hand to rob at where the bandages were still keeping additional back to patches in place. Lars grimaced and inclined his head sympathetically. Like a kick from a bull, huh? Lars agreed. A wry smile flitting over his face. Like you wouldn't believe, Zev groused, before abruptly taking on a rather pensive look as he squinted at Lars. Well, I guess if anyone would believe it'd be you, he corrected. And really, was anyone here going to explain what was going on to Veers? Anyone? Had my fair share of being on the wrong end from some hunter's firearm or another, Lars admitted with a casual shrug, and all right, he had his limits. Not to interrupt this conversation, he began, 
voice tense and just a touch hysterical in spite of his best efforts to remain composed and steady. But can either of you elaborate on just what the hell is going on here? And just like that, the bubble of levity that had been building in the room burst with little ceremony. Zeb froze mid-gesture, breathing once, twice, before shrinking back into his pillows, carefully withdrawing his hand from Veers' grasp, and that... that stung. Just a little. Lars looked over to him while Zev's walls visibly slammed up, a kind of exasperated disappointment in his gaze that had Veers bristling in subdued offense. Well, excuse him for trying to understand something in this entire madhouse. And yet you still haven't learned to listen, Lars muttered lowly with a small sigh, low enough that Veers was fairly sure he wasn't actually meant to hear, or perhaps he was, and Lars merely wanted him to think that. Honestly, knowing what he did now, he couldn't help but look at every last one of the prince's mannerisms in a new light. Well, Lars said a little louder, unnecessarily, really, all attention in the room was already on him. I suppose that we better get right into the thick of it, Zeph, Lars continued. I don't think I strictly need to say it, but with the events of the last twenty-four hours, your father's naturally grown a bit suspicious about what's going on with us in general. The stare that he leveled at the prince could be used in a textbook to define the word incredulous. Could he get any blunter? Lars, however, merely offered him a flat look back. You didn't set much of a precedent for tact in this conversation yourself, sir, he shot back in response to the unvoiced accusation, before turning back to Zev. Zev, who had paled significantly in the last few moments, and was breathing a lot shallower than before. Ah, was all his son could bring out. Yeah, Lars agreed, pressing his lips together into a thin line. I suspected something like this would happen. With all that's gone down in the last day, it was impossible on multiple fronts that secrets wouldn't surface and be revealed, or at least hinted at. Oh, sir, he grumbled under his breath, sighing when Zev still refused to look at him. His son's whole body had gone stiff and tense, as if bracing for an attack, and he could see Zev's jaw working while he stubbornly refused to look up from the apparently fascinating bedspread. Zev he began tentatively, reaching out slowly for his son's hand again and sighing when Zev's hand flinched away, pulling his own hand back. Aye, he tried. But the words would not cooperate, and his mouth formed silently around words he couldn't bring himself to say in the face of his son's obvious distrust and discomfort. Force, what could he even say that would help this, change this? make it better and whole and not so broken again that he could hardly even remember the last time that Zev had opened up to him, in the face of something so large and, and old. Words almost felt too small to truly matter. A heavy exhale from across the bed slipped past him, and looking up he immediately found two stern blue eyes staring him down, Disapproval and disappointment written in every line as Lars held his gaze with an expression that belied any levity the prince had shown earlier. Swallowing under the intense scrutiny, he held Lars's gaze, refusing to be cowed by him even as the young man fully abandoned his happy-go-lucky facade, and he felt something crawl down his neck like ice water. The prince he may be, 
but he wouldn't bow to him when it came to his son. No matter how deep the disapproval ran, not even disapproval heavy enough that he could feel it rattling in the air, setting his hairs on end. Lars held his gaze for a moment longer before pointedly jerking his head over towards Zev, never breaking eye contact. Challenge written clear as day in every motion and movement and those two glaring eyes. The message couldn't have been clearer if Lars had just straight up come out and said, Say something, coward. Sighing again one last time, he shifted in his seat and tried to order his thoughts. Sev, I... He began again. The words still feeling like sand in his mouth, but damn it, he'd swallow around them if he had to. I'm not sure what's going on, son, he said finally, deciding that if he couldn't find an angle, he might as well try that which was always touted as the best policy. I don't know what's going on, and it's... it's scaring me witless. Because the more I glimpse of it, the more it seems to be hurting you. Zev hunched his shoulders in response, still averting his eyes and force. When had he started missing so much that only now he was seeing this hurt shine through? I'm not... I'm not going to ask you to spill what you're not ready to bring into the light yet, he quickly added on, pointedly not glancing up at Lars even as he felt the princess gaze bore into him. Please, he begged. Pride completely forgotten in favor of the sheer terror he felt whenever he thought of his son navigating the minefield that was backroom politics alone. Tell me that you're safe. You've got someone, anyone you can rely on, even if it isn't me. But I won't lose you. It stung. Even just putting the words in his mouth stung like he had eaten a spoonful of salt, while his gums and tongue were raw and bloody. But Force, he couldn't care less as long as Zev confirmed that at least he was safe. Or as safe as he could be. It would all be worth it if Zev was just safe. He could take everything else in stride as long as those words rung true. Zev worked his jaw for a moment, and he could see the gears spinning inside his son's head, relief flooding through him that he at least still knew Zev well enough to see that much. He tried to wet his own cork-dry mouth as Zev mulled over his words and decided to try one last time. Please, son. He implored in a hoarse voice barely above a whisper, reaching out for Zev one last time and feeling unending relief rushing to envelop his bruised heart when his son finally allowed him to clasp his hand in his own. Please tell me that this pact you have with Thaws is enough. Like a switch being flipped, Zev froze solid, holding his position for one, two, three seconds before his gaze snapped up towards him. Accusing Hazel stared back into his own as his son sized him up for what he was worth, mouth opening silently in failed attempts to voice his thoughts, then finally, succeeding. You know, Zev stated, flat and monotone, not even a hint of a question present anywhere. About the fact that there's something more going on between you and Lars than just employer and employee, or even friends, he replied immediately, 
grabbing onto the barest slip of a conversation with both hands. Yes, yes, I noticed that much. Zav held his gaze for a long moment. Then finally, a slow nod that had Veers's hope rise for a brief moment before being shot down like a lead balloon with Zev's next words. I didn't think you would. He couldn't stop the flinch if he'd tried, his whole body jerking back like he'd been slapped before he even fully registered the movement beyond Zev's damning words. Shock bloomed on Zev's face, mouth still formed around the last syllable like he couldn't quite believe himself that he'd said that like he had never thought his mouth would betray him by giving voice to the words he had never wanted to say. But he didn't take it back. Salt stung at the corner of his eyes as a gaping maw of hurt and despair opened up beneath him as he pursed his lips together, trying to get a handle on the violent cocktail of emotions that were whirling around inside of him. Force he felt like crying. When had he missed this? Sev. A voice, just outside of their little sphere of hurt and pain, spoke. Reluctantly tearing his eyes away from his son, his son, his little champ in so much pain, and found himself, once more, staring at the prince. Lars looked like he was close to tears himself, and yet somehow still composed the bastard. Lars opened his mouth, hesitated for a moment, and then shook his head a sad little smile making his way onto his face. You know what one of your father's first words were to me? He asked softly, and what, what did that? You remind me of my son, lad, Lars quoted. Always off on the next great thing. Always herring off with these brilliant, bright ideas and your head far up in the clouds. Make sure you come down again in time to eat and sleep, yeah? All at once the memory rushed back from all those months ago, when Lars had just been a shiny new face, fresh off the shuttle and barely a few weeks into his employment. The lad had been so bright, so full of fire and attitude and this burning desire for things to be better, and that he couldn't help but be reminded of Zev. And all right, maybe some of his instincts to keep a lad like that safe had rubbed off on Lars a bit. It was before he knew he was to be the Imperial Prince one day and capable of everything he had just seen, so sue him. Lars chuckled lightly, and shifting his gaze only a little, he found the rawest, most vulnerable look on Zev's face. Shoulders slack, speechless, and eyes wide and glossy with tears. His son looked like a man who had just been gutted with only a handful of words. He cares, Zev, Lars continued. Sincerity in every word. And he's proud of you. So very proud. Immediately Zev's jaw snapped shut and his face scrunched up ever so slightly, tears sitting thick and heavy in the corner of his eyes as Zev glanced at him. A hundred and one questions in his eyes. Heartbreaking. He carefully rubbed a thumb over the back of his son's hand. Of course I am, he confirmed. 
his throat rasping with unshed tears, but he didn't care, he didn't care, not when Zev was here and hurting, and looking at him like a single wrong word could break him apart. For Zev, he whispered around a shaky breath. I think the entire lady is just about sick and tired of hearing about how damn proud I am of you. Whole 501st knows your name better than they do mine by this point, I think. Lars chuckled low under his breath. I think Admiral Piet would definitely agree with that, sir, he supplied softly. But he couldn't even look at the prince. Not when Zev huffed out a watery laugh that was barely more than a breath of air, lips still firmly pursed together while his eyes shone bright, too bright, as a single tear welled up too far and slipped down his son's cheek. Without thinking, he brought up a hand, wiping it away with a thumb as Zev's breath hitched, pressing his cheek further into his hand seemingly without a thought beyond the question of comfort and care. Zev breathed in deeply, more tears spilling over his cheek when he brushed his thumb again over the sticky tracks left behind in a gesture he last remembered doing when Zev was a few heads shorter than now. Oh, son he muttered softly, something tipping over inside him too as wet warmth began to slide down his cheeks, but he couldn't care. Couldn't care less when Zev was here, right in front of him, and finally, finally, finally letting him in again. Zev shook his head, and he couldn't tell what possessed him to do it, but in the next minute he was pulling his son into his arms and enveloping him in a tight hug muttering soft nothings about how damn proud he was of Zen for having come as far as he did, while his son muffled quiet, hitching sobs into his chest. And he was proud of Zev, for being smart and bright and clever and so, so driven to be the best at what he wanted to be, for still having grown up like he did and still coming back to him, and, and... The words ran out with a shaky breath, and all he could think to do was hold Zev close as he cried his own eyes stinging with water and salt as his cheeks grew wetter and wetter, tucking Zev in under his chin and being so, so grateful that he was still allowed this, that he wasn't too late, that Zev could still find comfort in him and force that he hadn't lost his boy. "'Shh,' he whispered quietly into Zev's hair. "'It's going to be all right, son, I promise.' "'It's not all right, Dad.' Zev hiccuped while shaking his head against his throat. Why? Why didn't you say this sooner? Why only to them? Why only when I'd nearly gone and... He gasped around a sob and shook his head again. I thought you hated me. He whispered brokenly into his neck, and his heart just about shattered, the shards tearing at the inside of his ribcage as he froze. Force, no. I thought you hated me sometimes, Zev continued, oblivious or uncaring about how every word shot into his father's ribcage like a blaster bolt. When it was all just... He shook his head again, and Veers nearly wanted to plead with him to stop, but he... he... I thought you wanted a different son. Zev continued in a hoarse croak, barely above a whisper. Someone who was 
was better. You didn't ask stupid questions and put your career in danger and... and never, he swore to his son in a rasp, clutching the shivering form close to his chest. I promise you, Zev, I never even thought something like that even once, I promise. He heaved a shuddering breath, jot as his son nodded. Never, I didn't. I love you far too much to ever. Too small. All of those words were too small to express how much he could never, in any eternity, hate his son. You are everything. He ended up whispering into his son's unruly hair, and still they were too small. Zev didn't reply, just clutched to him tighter like he never wanted to let go and force Veers would let him. Nothing else mattered outside of Zev right now, absolutely nothing. He didn't know how long they clutched each other in that moment, only that when he was finally startled out of his trance it was by catching a whisper of movement on the edge of his periphery. Looking up while being careful not to jostle Zev, he saw Lars silently gliding through the room circling back round the bed and towards the door. As if feeling Veers's gaze on him, Lars paused his silent movements to shoot him a gentle, warm, and genuine smile for the first time since entering the room. I'll be outside, Lars mouthed silently to him, tilting his head towards the door before glancing back down to where Zev was still clutching at him like the world was ending. Listen to him, Lars added silently and between one blink and the next the door was sliding open, and Lars had slipped outside, leaving him and Zev to have their moment. Still dazed from everything that had just happened in what felt like seconds and hours, he blinked at the closed door before looking back down at his son, who had thankfully stopped those heartbreaking sobs and was now only breathing heavily, interspersed with sniffles and hiccups. Never mind that, though. Never mind any of that. He wouldn't comment on it just yet and simply held his son close. And force it had been a long time since he'd done that. When was the last time they'd embraced? When was the last time he'd ruffled Zeb's hair and they'd horsed around just for the fun of it? When was the last time they'd just sat together and simply were? He breathed in deeply and sat there for a moment longer, only releasing his grip when Zev began to wriggle in his grasp and push back. Reluctantly letting his son go, he watched as Zev pulled himself back and quickly wiped at the shimmering tracks left behind in his cheeks. I... Thanks, Dad, he whispered, voice barely more than a croak with how much it rasped. You're welcome, son, he whispered back reaching out to wipe off the last traces of tears from Zev's cheeks and breathing a small sigh of relief when Zev let him. He didn't know what else to say, and so it seemed neither did Zev, because the moment he was done his son looked away and fell into silence, a silence he'd heard so many times before, and one he was now beginning to suspect was where the first cracks had shown up that had created this massive rift between them. He breathed in and looked, really looked, at his son. Hunched over and still averting his gaze, it seemed like the weight of the world was on Zev's shoulders, 
and he couldn't even begin to imagine how he would share the weight. He had to wonder how he had never seen it before, but perhaps Lars was right in saying that it wasn't too late, because he saw it now. Perhaps an apology would be enough after all, if only as a start. Son, I, I'm sorry, he said with a sigh. For, for everything, I suppose. Zev's head swiveled around and up to stare at him, eyes red and puffy but wide with surprise. Dad, he whispered. Something like shock and insecurity in his voice, and if he thought his heart couldn't break any more, he was very wrong. I'm sorry, son, he repeated patiently, watching as Zev's eyes went impossibly wider. I... I haven't been the father I should have been. For us, this was hard. But it was worth it. Hopefully. Please let it be worth it. I... I should have been more... He sighed and shook his head. Well, I should have been more of a lot of things. He admitted ruefully. But primarily I should have been someone you felt you could trust. And it hurt. It hurt that he hadn't been that to his son. His son, who was staring at him wide-eyed and with a gobsmacked expression on his face at the admission of guilt on his behalf, and who was starting to have something like guilt creep into his own demeanor in turn. Zev looked away for a moment and swallowed heavily. Dad, I... If there was more to that sentence, Zev couldn't seem to find it. Grasping helplessly at his covers as he shook his head, clenching his jaw again. I know, he soothed, letting a wry smile take over his complexion. Just like I know that there's a lot of things you aren't telling me, apparently. He sighed when Zev flinched and reached out for his son's hand again, rubbing his thumb over the back, feeling the warmth and reminding himself that his son was here, was safe. That no matter what else there was that had broken between them, his son was safe. I won't ask, he promised, carefully wiping away another tear track on Zev's face. But tell me that you're safe, he whispered, pleaded. If you can trust me with nothing else, at least tell me you're safe. Zev's mouth opened and closed several times and looked every bit as uneasy with the question as the one time he'd asked his son if he hadn't yet met a nice person his age that he was interested in. I... Now I am, Zev admitted in a whisper, with Luke and, and everything. He glanced up and shot him a weak smile. Yeah, he whispered. Now I am, Dad. There was... There was so much to unpack, even in just that small statement, but of course, that was for later, because right now, his son was safe. Gods and force and everything that could be believed in his son was safe. Good, he breathed. I, yeah. That's, that's good, son. More than good. It was all he could ever hope for. But not enough, right? Zev huffed with a soft laugh, 
dragging the heel of his palm over his eyes, wiping away more tears. I know, I just... I don't know if I... It's enough, Zev, he quickly reassured, stroking the back of his son's hand. I, I won't deny that I'm, that I'm still curious and concerned and scared, so very scared. But I... A few months ago I promised myself I would trust you, he revealed in one breath, and I'm... I'm trying that now, Zev. So if you don't or can't trust me yet... He trailed off, tongue searching for the words to complete the sentence and yet finding none. I'll trust your judgment, son, he said instead, dipping his head to hold his son's tearful gaze for a moment. I'll trust it, he repeated with a small smile, looking into stunned Hazel. Sav held his gaze for a moment before laughing softly. Who are you and what have you done with my dad? He muttered while wiping away the last of his tears, grinning at his own joke while Veers' heart sank. It was a joke, he knew that, but... Zev found it so wildly out of character for him to trust him that he... You have Organa to thank for that. He answered softly before he could think too hard on it, and Lars too. He added after a moment of contemplation. Zev paused in his movements and glanced over towards him with one eye. Princess Leia? he asked, utterly perplexed. Her father, actually. He cracked it with a grin, and chuckled when Zev's shoulders slumped with a relaxed sigh. That makes more sense, actually, Zev admitted with a chuckle. What, did he threaten you like the princess does? He reminded me that as parents, there comes a point where we have to let our kids go and trust that they know what they're doing, he corrected gently. And all the humor flowed out of Zev like a dam had broken through, leaving behind only an aching rawness that bled out of every line of his son's body. And... That I haven't been doing that for a long while, he sighed. Far longer than should have ever been allowed to happen. Oh, Seth breathed, looking down at where he was still holding on to his son's hand. I... I didn't expect you to never just... say that you didn't. Another sting, but he couldn't deny the truth of that one, and he wouldn't run away now. He'd be damned if he ran away from this one, come hell or high water. I didn't even realize I'd stopped for a long time, he admitted. Old shame welling up again. Not until Organa pointed it out. I promised then that I would trust you again, so I will. It wasn't that easy, of course. It was never that easy, but you got nowhere if you didn't have a goal in mind, so this would have to do for now. And it seemed Zev realized that, too, as he swallowed heavily and nodded. How... how much do you know? He asked after a moment. And even if he wouldn't admit it, he was as eager for a change of topic as Zev was. I know that you have a pact with laws. That, as Lord Vader puts it, ties your fates together, he began watching as Zev's eyes snapped wide open to the point of bulging. 
And I know that whatever it is that Lars is protecting you from, it's something severe enough that Lord Vader would be obliged to, to take measures against you, if it weren't for Lars forcing an oath of protection and silence out of him. That still didn't feel real. Even after everything that was revealed about Lars, it still didn't feel real that the prince apparently had enough sway over Lord Vader to be able and willing to protect his favorites against his wrath. But here they were. And with that one revelation, he had known that Lars's protection and favor was one of the utmost precious political resources in the galaxy, with only a few things narrowly beating it out. And it had been granted to his son. Zev chuckled nervously. So you know about that, huh? He muttered. A voice remarkably steady until it cracked right at the end. That and that Lars would sacrifice his life for yours if it came down to it, he added on, and now, now that last part felt like perhaps the most dangerous part of all. For the rest, Lord Vader merely informed me that perhaps it was time that I have a talk with you. He gave Zav a significant look, though I think Lars will defend us both against him if you aren't ready for it yet. The prince had threatened him with bodily harm in not so many words outside in the hallway, should he push Zev when he was not ready. He figured that Lars would be willing to stand up to his lordship a second time if it meant that he was allowed to respect whatever boundaries Zev set right now. He would, wouldn't he? Zev replied with a huff and a smile, rubbing a hand over his face. Force, this is madness. First, and then he groaned into his hands. It's all so much. You don't have to tell me if you don't want to, he reassured Zev again. No, his son dismissed. No, I... I think I want to tell you. It's... it's just... it's a lot. He breathed in deeply and Veers tried not to get his hopes up as Zev shot him a shaky smile. But if those two think that it's a good idea for us to talk well, he chuckled nervously. They seem to be doing all right, for the given value of that word, so their advice might be worth a shot. Might be, he agreed with an equally wan smile. Zev heaved a shuddering breath, and really, he could only wonder what the hell his son had gotten up to that this level of secrecy was required. All right, he muttered. Eyes closed as he took another deep breath. All right, I can do this, I can do this. Easy now, son, he muttered himself, feeling anxiety stir within him the more his son got worked up. Whatever the secret was, he was starting to think that perhaps he'd bitten off more than he could chew. Just begin at the beginning. Right, Seth breathed, a shiver running through him. Right, the beginning, I guess. I guess that would be way back when I was sixteen. Sixteen? And Mum had just, well, she'd just gotten sick. Zev cleared his throat uncomfortably, hurt flashing over his son's face just like it lanced through his own heart at the reminder of Guyana's fate. It seemed it all really had begun with that thrice-damned frozen nest all those years ago. You were... You went okay. Sev continued. 
sounding like he was sinking further and further away. The look in his eyes as old as it was tired and grieving and terrifying. What's new? And I got sent off to the academy. Zev breathed deeply again, glancing at him from the corner of his eyes and shifting uncomfortably. Do you... Do you remember B.T., Ma, Rolf, Lillian, Gwen? He asked quietly, voice barely above a whisper as he spoke the names that sounded familiar from a long while back. Your friends, right? He prompted gently for Zev to confirm, because force it had been a long while since he thought he'd last heard of them. Years, in fact. The last time he could even remember was... Forrest, had it been when they and Zev had gotten rowdy at the academy? He couldn't remember his son ever speaking of them after that fact. The watery smile that Zev shot him definitely didn't bode well for the reason why he hadn't heard of them after that again, though. Yeah, Zev confirmed with a broken chuckle that sounded far too weary. Them. It all started with them. He breathed in a few times and leaned back against the pillows, eyes closed and looking older than he ever had before. They were... They were there for me, after Mum got sick and you went to pieces, he continued. Voice sounding like it came from far, far away, or perhaps long, long ago. They distracted me, helped me grieve... Even pulled me out of my dorm on the days when all I wanted was to stare at the ceiling and forget I even existed. In your place was the message that wasn't said, but that he heard loud and clear nonetheless, and that... Why hadn't he ever thought... Of course, he had been hit by his mother's illness as hard as he had been, if not harder, but he hadn't... He couldn't even remember a time they'd truly spoken about it. By the time he could even remember being anything more than a wreck after Guyana had entered the clinic, the rift had already manifested itself. And it was like a sheet of plastic had settled in over Zev's face whenever they talked, guarded and curated to the burgeoning beginnings of perfection. In his absence, his son had already begun crafting a mask to hide his grief. Or perhaps something more. He breathed through the pain of seeing his own failings laid out so plainly to see and tried for a smile that was hopefully more than a grimace. I'm... I'm glad you had them to be there for you, he offered carefully, hoping that Zeb would hear the quiet apology and... No, no, hadn't Lars warned against that, warned against hoping that his son would read his mind so the difficult things didn't have to be said out loud. No more silence. Not if they didn't want it to be the death of them. And I'm sorry I wasn't there for you like they were, he added on quietly. Zev freezing under the words, eyes flying open and looking so terribly young in a face that it seems to carry the age of grief in it only a moment before. It's all right, Zev immediately said on reflex. But his mouth clicked shut only a moment later, and Veers couldn't help but smile wryly at his son while raising an eyebrow. They both knew it was a lie, didn't they? Or else they wouldn't be here. A moment of silence passed, and Zev eventually shook his head. I... no. That's not all right. 
he eventually admitted, staring off to the side. Yeah, Fears whispered. The weight of the years missed between them resting heavily on his shoulders as he saw his grief reflected back at him in the face of his son. I didn't think it was. I felt abandoned, Seth admitted. I couldn't figure out what I'd done wrong for you to send me away like that, and I, I didn't even get to see Mum when she went to the clinic. I just... He breathed deeply, the edge of a sob on his breath, sounding out the pain Veers felt deep in his chest. It's not all right, he repeated in a small voice. Force, what had he done? I'm sorry, he repeated helplessly, trying to think back to what else he'd done during the time that he'd sent Zeph away and finding nothing but a black wall of pressing, crushing grief and loss that he could barely think through. I'm sorry, it won't fix anything, but I'm just... He was just what? What could he even say right now? His son hadn't even been able to see his mother before Guyana effectively became a permanent resident of the clinic, and he couldn't even remember the moment. The wall of grief blocked everything else out in a haze of pain and loss, and somewhere in there he had unintentionally broken his son's trust forever. Had hurt him so much worse than he'd ever thought before, and he... What had he done? Zev shook his head again as he tried to bring his breathing back under control, furiously rubbing at his eyes. Damn it, not again, he muttered. I haven't even gotten through the first deaths yet. First deaths? The words were out of his mouth before his brain caught up, but never mind that, never mind, because his son had just said through tears and grief that he hadn't even gotten to the first deaths yet, and that just, that, yeah. Zev whispered, smiling through the pain as he continued to rub away the tears. They... They didn't all make it through. And I want to be optimistic and believe that they're still alive, but... He shook his head, breath shuddering. I'm not that naive. He dismissed in a croak. The chances that they're still alive after all these years, they're... They're not worth holding out hope for. What in the name of the... That's where it'll begin, I guess, Seth mused, chuckling as he wiped away another tear. They were good friends. He breathed deeply. Best friends, he amended. We did everything together. So we discovered that some of the faculty at the Academy weren't classified as faculty, but property. He trailed off meaningfully, and Veers' blood went cold. Oh, no. Something must have shown in his face, because Zev shot him a look of mirthless amusement. Yeah, he confirmed softly. We... we were angry. Very angry. And the more we learned about slavery, the angrier we got couldn't stay silent about it, so we spoke up. Another deep breath. Loudly. Together. He sniffed and let out a thick sound in his throat, eyes even older with how puffy and red they were. 
he refused to shut up and sit down on theirs. So when the time came to make a presentation on an aspect of the Empire, the choice was obvious. Serve. The word was out of his mouth before he even knew what to do with it, hanging as dead in the air as the silence that followed after that, because he thought Zev had been safe at the academy, that it had just been the regular rowdiness and acting up of any other teenage boy, and that the transfer was a favor to stop the incident from marring Zev's record. That's... that's what he'd been told. That's what Zev had told him, cold and lifeless, and with a hard plastic sheet over his face as he smiled as artificially as could be. How had he, how had he missed this? The Academy didn't appreciate our efforts, needless to say. Zev continued after the silence had stretched too long, fists clenching into the bedspread as his voice took on a false levity that cracked at the edges. They certainly didn't appreciate when we pulled no punches with our sources and maintained that we were being entirely truthful despite being told we weren't. Force, please, no, Zev was supposed to have been safe. He was supposed to have been safe and taken care of, and... I hated everything about the Academy, Zev spat, vitriol biting at every word, either oblivious or uncaring of his father's rising internal panic. Everything. The stupid songs and drills and fucking propaganda. He breathed in deeply and tilted his head up just far enough to look Veers in the eyes, dark and angry. I hated everything about the Academy, he repeated. And this time he couldn't stop the flinch at the sheer hatred in his son's voice. Everything. He breathed in again, long and deep and self-soothing as best he could. But I didn't hate my friends. The noise that tore itself from his throat was as raw as it was inhuman. A keening, pained sound more befitting to a wounded animal than a full-grown man. But he couldn't think of anything else to say. Perhaps there was nothing else to say. We were torn from our beds. Only a few days later, long after midnight, Sev continued, voice cracking and crumbling at the edges even as it suffused, with a bitter determination. We were taken... I don't even know where we were taken, but it was somewhere with no windows, that's for sure. Zev, I... he tried, but his song uttered a low sound that sounded horrifically close to a growl. Don't! Zev hissed, fist clenched in the covers. I just... let me finish. I won't be able to do this a second time. Nodding mutely, he swallowed his words and let his song continue. Zev was taking deep breaths, teeth clenched and fists bawled like he was barely holding on to the edges of his composure by the skin of his teeth. They separated us, Zev bit out, harsh and clinical and filled with rage all the same, as much of a mess of contradictions as Veers' emotions were at the moment. I was kept in a cell with nothing in it but a toilet, a top, and a pamphlet extolling the virtues of the empire. 
The viciousness with which his son spat out the words like they tasted vile on his tongue instinctively had him check around the room for listening devices, barely suppressing the urge to quiet Zev down lest they get in trouble. He had a feeling that if he gave in to that instinct now, his son would never forgive him. They brought us out, one by one, for questioning or interrogation or something. Zev hissed, pulling viciously at the covers in frustration and anger, and something else Veers recognized seeing on the faces of men who had been backed too far into a corner. When they brought me out, I... I... Zev breathed in deeply through his nose a couple of times, struggling for composure while he himself struggled to keep his tongue silent. They still had Rolf in the room, Zev eventually revealed. His blood turned to ice at how dead his son's voice sounded. Monotonous and calm and composed, and far too much like his spirit had just up and died. They still had Rolf in the room, just... They'd beaten him within a hair's breadth of his life. Another breath. He was bleeding from a head wound, and his nose, and his ears, and his... Zev sucked in another breath through his teeth. Anger and pain and grief and despair flashing rapidly through his eyes before they became terrifyingly dead again. He was bleeding, Zev repeated monotonously and punch drunk to the point where they had to drag him out of the room. I, I don't think he even recognized me. Zev was supposed to have been safe. They made me sit in the chair he'd sat in, Zev continued, voice thickening with unshed tears once more. It still, still had, his, had his blood. He cut off and shook his head. I was lucky. He whispered. They couldn't touch me with your name still shielding me, not the son of Darth Vader's favorite general. So they scared me with the bloodied body of my friend and disappeared the rest. Then they made the incident disappear too. Zev was supposed to have been safe. I got transferred after that, Zev continued, voice croaking with how thick it was and I never saw any of them again. He heaved a shuddering breath, and a soft tapping along with darkening spots on the covers marked Zev's loss in the battle against the tears. I searched for them everywhere. He wiped at his eyes and shook his head. Nothing. The incident, the rest, their school records, their very names have been erased. Ghosts in the system, the Empire had exercised as best they could. As far as the Academy and Commonwealth were concerned, they never even existed. Zev was supposed to have been safe and cared for. After that. And now his son just looked tired, weary beyond his years. Like the time his friends hadn't been able to live, got added on to his own, and he felt every second of it. 
after that everything hastily got covered up, Seth continued, and force his child should never have had cause to sound so, so bitterly exhausted. I got transferred to this internal hellhole in a saccharine sweet disguise, and no one would even acknowledge that what had happened to me was real. The Colonel had just up and disappeared five kids after torturing at least one of them. He was supposed to have been safe and cared for, and, and not this. So I went searching, Zev continued tonelessly. And if he hadn't already been spellbound by his son's recollection of what sounded like a horror hollow come to life in helpless, furious pain, that sentence alone would have turned his blood to ice. Not openly. I kept my mouth damn well shut and my head as low as I could bear it to be. I learned to play the game. But I still searched. Going deeper and deeper into the holonet to try and find any trace of them or someone who could point me the way. Wait. I found them, Zev continued hollowly, not looking him in the eyes. Slicers and other people embedded deep within the Empire's systems who had no problem passing on classified information to those with a grudge against those systems. He sighed deeply, and Visa's mind reeled with what was being revealed. Was Sif? Could he have? I didn't find my friends. Not a single trace. I only learned that Ma and Lily had been let out years later when one of my contacts inadvertently found files detailing their legal name changes. They weren't willing to give me their new names and threatened to cut me off if I pushed any further, so that was that. That's the only time I ever heard of any of them again after that night. What to say to that? What to say? Sorry I didn't realize that you'd lived through a nightmare and lost everything you'd rebuilt in just one night. Zev, I... He nonetheless tried, but Zev shook his head sharply. No! He snapped. I just... If I don't say this now, I'm never going to... And I, I need you to know... It's not like you can change anything anyway. And wasn't that just reassuring to hear while his son took a fortifying breath? I... Even if I found nothing in those circles, that didn't mean I left them, Dad. Zev revealed in a single breath. No. I finally... I found other people who agreed with me on the issues of slavery and how the Empire treats its citizens, and they, they showed me ways I could fight back. Zev continued, not looking at him but getting more fired up by the moment. I became a part of certain networks that helped stage slice arrests targeting the systems that upheld people's status as property specifically. I ran the organization and coordination of several of them and- You were a rebel! He hissed. And Zev flinched at those words, but he couldn't care. He couldn't. His son was a rebel. What in- Luke and Lord Vader, no! Zev immediately snarled back, leaning back from him and bringing up his arms in front of him in a bracing gesture. They know and they won't- They know! He screeched, and he couldn't care, couldn't care. His son was a rebel, and the lords knew that he was a rebel, and, and they don't care, Zev yelled back. They don't, they protect me, they protect me and keep my secret from anyone who would hurt me, including you. A gunshot. 
would have been followed by a silence less ringing and a pain less stinging. Frozen in place, he could barely drag in enough air as he stared at his son, whose own face had slackened and frozen in turn. Silence stretched as the words rung through his mind. Including you. What had he done? I didn't mean that, Sev whispered, still frozen in place. I, I, didn't, I didn't mean that. He shook his head, barely aware that he was doing it, but realizing the truth somewhere deeper down. Some part of you did. He countered in a whisper just as raw as he felt. His son thought he would hurt him, and he... He was a rebel, but he still would never... Wouldn't he? I don't know if I did. Sev admitted quietly, I'm, I'm just... I'm just... He let out a frustrated sound and tugged hard at the covers. I'm scared, okay? He blurted out. Frustration and tears high in his voice. I'm burying my fucking soul here and I'm trying to scream and I... I don't know what to do. Zev heaved out a breath and clenched his jaw hard. And he just wanted to gather his son close and tell him it would be all right, but would it? Would it? His son was a rebel. And that thought kept bouncing around his head like a rubber firecracker with a lit fuse set to explode any moment and... I don't know what to do, Sev continued, abruptly sounding so much more broken than he ever should be. Because, I, I don't know, I just... I know Luke and Lord Vader will protect me if this comes out, and yet I'm scared of you, and, and just... Sev laughed bitterly, tears slipping down his face again as he laughed in broken, choking sobs. Boss. When did we become this fucked up? When did I become the very person you hunt and kill and never? He cut in abruptly. Because even if he knew nothing else, he knew that. You never became someone I could hunt or kill because I would never. He didn't know if that was a lie or not. He didn't know what he would have done in any other situation, but he knew that right here, right now, Zev was safe. And he would do anything for him to stay that way. You sure about that? Sev shot back with a mirthless grin. You sure having a rebel for a son wouldn't drive you over the edge? Damn it, Sev! He hissed, because this was, this was... I'm trying! He implored his son frantically. Frustration and confusion and desperation and horror and worry and anger and love warring within him with no end in sight. I'm trying. He repeated desperately. I just... You just dropped this on me and I don't know how to react or even what... He sucked in a breath through his teeth and tried to calm himself down, but damn it, damn it, how did he even... What to even say? I don't... I don't know how to respond, he admitted eventually, because force he didn't know what else to say and maybe honesty would still work here. Please, would it still work here? I... You're a rebel. What am I even meant to say to that? What do you even want me to say? Force let his son have an answer because he sure didn't know. He was at the end of both his rope and knowledge here. The world felt like it had flipped on its head and his son was suffering. 
had been suffering for years, and he didn't know how to fix it. What to even say, what to even do? And it seemed like Zev didn't know either, because his son merely looked off to the side and clenched his hands into the covers again. I... I don't know, he admitted in a whisper. I... I never thought I would tell you. Well, if I did, I would have far bigger things to worry about after that. He heaved a shuddering breath, wiping at his tears. I don't know what to do now, false. I don't even know if you hate me. I don't, he promised. Because he knew that, too. He loved his son, and he wouldn't hurt him. He knew that. Even now that he didn't know anything else, he knew that. I don't hate you, son, he repeated. Because farce. Apparently that was where the bar now laid for him. I, I love you, he whispered, tentatively reaching back out to Zev because his son was crying, and he didn't know what else to do or say. But maybe he did still know how to handle that, even if his son was now a rebel and had suffered more than anyone should ever have to suffer, maybe he did still know how to handle that. Remember, he said softly, when Zev let him take his hands into his own again. You are everything to me. And evidently Zev did remember, as he looked up with wide, shining eyes when he spoke the words looking like he couldn't have been more vulnerable when he was holding his beating heart in his hands. I love you, son, he repeated softly, gently, because this he did know. And even if I don't, even if I don't know what to do with this situation, that fact will never change. I love you. Zev stared at him, still with that achingly vulnerable look on his face as he looked him right in the eyes. You're crying, he noted with a distant, wondering tone. And with a start he realized that he really was crying, warm tear tracks streaking their way over his cheeks without him having any idea when they started. So I am, he agreed with a watery smile, not bothering to wipe them away, not if it meant he would have to let go of Zav. Why? He sighed. I don't think I know exactly why, he admitted carefully, the words like pulling teeth as he turned over every emotion he felt as if they were barbed with thorns but force. Lars's advice was working, so let the thorns dig in if they must. I, I think, I think it might be because I'm ex experiencing a lot of conflicting and confusing emotions right now. I'm, I'm confused and disoriented. With everything I just learned, I'm angry and horrified at what happened to you and what what I did to you now that I look back. I'm frustrated and scared that I don't know what to do if, or if you'll be safe, and I, I'm grieving for everything you've lost, I think. And maybe a bit for myself, too. He grunted out a frustrated sound. <laughs> it's a lot right now. He finished, shaking his head out of the confusing, infuriating, and painful tangle of emotions that was ensnaring him right now. Zev snorted. 
that we can at least agree on, he muttered while looking away, but not taking his held hand back yet. It was worth a little flutter of hope that rose inside him. So what now? Sev asked quietly. I've, I've got all my cards on the table, I think. No more secrets left to hide, or at least none that big. And damn everything and every one that made his son sound so scared about that fact. I don't know, he admitted. Frustration with that answer high, despite how calm he managed to keep his voice. I force if this isn't something I ever expected to deal with. His son flinched the second those words left his mouth, and he was already cursing himself as he quickly followed it up. I just... Are you safe? Anything else could wait. As long as that was true, anything and everything else could wait. As long as you don't go blabbing to anyone, Sev tried with a watery smile. I'll be all right, Dad. Luke, he... Sev swallowed nervously, plucking at the covers while trying to find his words. He's willing to fight for me, Zev eventually decided. He's willing to fight and die for me, and he's... He's good at what he does. Better than anyone besides the others who were with us after the bombing, no, I think. Zev smiled again, a bit sure of himself this time. As long as I uphold my side of the pact and remain loyal, I doubt there's a safer place to be. Good, he breathed. Relief coursing through him like liquid warmth, soothing his tense muscles. That's... that's good. Zev was still safe. Even after all of this, Zev was still safe. Never mind that he wasn't before meeting Lars, he was safe now, and that would have to be enough. Zev's smile turned slight as he kept his eyes on him, something like distant wonder in his gaze. I never thought you would still care after you found out, he muttered quietly and the Veers could cry all over again with just those words. My son, he whispered back, I'll always care. Something broke in Zev's expression, something that exposed a core of vulnerability that had only just been tucked back in again and... Come here, he muttered while holding open his arms, acting on an instinctive impulse before he could second-guess himself. Within one blink and the next, he found himself with an armful of Zev, carefully wrapping his arms back around his son's bandaged torso. Zev shivered in the hug, and Veers' heart broke when he could already hear the first muffled sob against his armor. It wasn't fair. It wasn't fair for his son to have been asked to carry so many burdens, and then to have a father who didn't even know how to begin to lift some of them, let alone all. All he could do right now was hold his son through it all, and hope that somehow it would be enough to make up for the lost years, or at least begin to in some way. I've got you, he whispered to his son clutching his child even tighter when a sob was his only answer. I've got you, I promise. 
I'm sorry, Dad. Zav hiccuped into his shoulder. For everything, I didn't... I don't mean to... Oh, no. He whispered back. And this time he didn't know. Zav was... He was a kind boy. Who never wanted to hurt another soul when he was younger. Even when he got into trouble, it was because he cared too much to keep quiet. And maybe that had changed, too, while he hadn't been looking. Maybe he was wrong now, but he didn't think so. I know, he repeated quietly. And for the first time since waking up, he felt like he really did know. I'm sorry, too. I know, Zev echoed back quietly holding on just a bit tighter. They stayed like that for a while, both stewing in their thoughts as the silence stretched on. There was much to think about after all, at least on Veers' end. His son was a rebel, something that still didn't feel real, and apparently both the lords knew and had decided to keep mum about it. His son had lost his five best friends to a nightmare that never should have happened. And if he ever saw the people at that place again. You're thinking loudly, Zav muttered into his shoulder. Just mulling over how I'm going to kill everyone responsible for what happens to you at your first academy if I get the chance, he answered honestly, earning himself a snort from Zev. They lapsed into silence again until. We're not all right, are we? Zev asked after a couple of moments. Even now that we've talked about all this and... and... He shook his head against Veers' shoulder. We're not all right. No, he agreed softly. We're not. The weight of secrets and miscommunications and sheer hurt between the two of them had only just been revealed, and he barely even knew how to address even the smallest bits of it. There would be a lot of work to be done there before either of them could even really begin to trust the other again, but... But I think we could be again someday, he posited carefully, rubbing Zev's back in small, soothing circles. We'll need to talk more and be honest with each other. And if he ever told Lars about how his advice had saved his ass, it would be too soon. But I think we could be all right again. Silence stretched on for a moment before Zev spoke up. Quiet contemplation in the air. And you'll listen, he asked tentatively. Like you did now. Only if you promise to truly listen to, he whispered back relishing in the quiet, snorted laugh it earned him. And I won't have to train to be an officer anymore, Sev tried, a little bolder than before, and this time it was Veers who went out a watery sigh. Son, if you don't get shot again, you can be any damn thing you want to be and I won't ever complain, he promised as securely as he could. Deal, Zev agreed vehemently, and this time his laugh was genuine his son glancing up to grin at him again. When all right, Zev repeated again, the smile waning a little. 
No, he agreed softly. He didn't even think the best actor in the world could have pretended otherwise at that point. We're not. But we might yet be game, Zev finished quietly. We might, he agreed. If we work our way through this, we might. And it would be hard, he knew. Even just this one conversation had him feeling drained like he'd just been on a months-long campaign. But of course, if his son would smile at him like that again, open and free and unguarded, then it would be worth it. All of it. Zev hummed softly, thoughtfully, letting a moment tick by. It's not going to be easy, he noted, echoing Veers' own thoughts. No, he agreed again. It won't be. But it will be worth it. Why? He looked down at his son, who was looking up at him with a youthful curiosity he hadn't seen on that face in so many years, too many years, and grinned softly. Because I love you, he told his son quietly, honestly. Zev's eyes widened as the words finally seemed to register after so many times saying them already, tears welling up anew after a few seconds. They weren't all right. I, I love you too, Dad, Zev whispered back, so much. And then after a moment, I was scared to lose it. Me too, he admitted shivering at the memory. Me too. Zev hummed, hugging him tighter and holding on with no apparent intent to let go. That was fine, he didn't have to. I love you too, he whispered. I love you too, son. He whispered back, resting his chin on Zev's head and holding his eyes while basking in the warmth. They weren't all right. But they might be again some day, and until then, they were still together. Had each other. They weren't all right. But they would be again. And then, they would be all right together. It was enough. It was enough to hope for. The text of this story is available on AO3. Theme music written by Jack Dockray, Sputnik, and Sam Gabriel. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch with me using the contact information on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you will consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.